0: Good to see you this morning. I'm glad you're here. We're on week three of I Choose, and it's a four-week series. So if you're brand new here and this is your first, you're not uh, jumping into the middle of a movie. Each one of these sessions is a standalone. But we've been looking at how choosing is so important and probably has a greater impact than you might realize. We're looking today at I Choose Discipline over regret. Discipline over regret. Now here's a little piece of information that you wouldn't know except that I tell you. Um, We planned that this month would be this series, and we just kind of roughed it out way back when, like December, something like that. And um, something happened just nine days ago that uh, made this particular message take a turn for me. I mean, I had all figured out what I thought I was going to do. And then um, that turn finally decided to go, okay. And here's what happened. Nine days ago, Gina and I brought home to our house a seven-month-old golden retriever. And uh, we did not expect that to happen. We were in conversations because we have a 13-year-old lab. And we were in conversations, my, my kids are always trying, my, my daughter in particular, always trying to get us a puppy and get, you know, get dogs in our lives. And this is our sixth dog. And um, I, I'm a dog person and I'm going to bring some dog uh, lessons to us today. If you're not a dog person, I'm sorry. Um, but I'm a dog person and we just heard a scripture about sheep comparing us to sheep, and I don't really know sheep, but sheep go astray, you know, we just heard that, and Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and we need to differentiate between one master that is our master speaking to us as opposed to another master speaking to us, and so there's some great parallels in this and as it relates to this whole thing that we're experiencing. There's only been one other dog that we... Got at about this stage, we got a, it was a... Our first dog was also a golden retriever, and it was six months old. So there's some reminiscence going on here a little bit. <clears throat> and I, we said to ourselves, we're never going to get a six-month-old puppy again. We're going to start at the very, very beginning and make sure all those bad habits get dealt with early because it's so hard to undo these bad habits. Well, this seven-month-old is remarkably um, well-trained, But it's well-trained by a different master. And we are discovering all these things that I didn't expect. You know, the first couple of days when we were trying this dog out before adoption is official, we thought, this is great. As soon as adoption is official, what have we done? You know? But it really kind of makes this whole thing, discipline over regret, come to life. And so I hope you don't mind me sharing a few examples. So my old 13-year-old dog is named Libby. My brand new dog is named Sierra. Came with a name. It's been seven months. We're just going to stick with the name. Sierra. Now, I'm so glad I have Libby. Because it's making life so much easier to train Sierra. My first mistake with the six-month-old dog, that first dog, it was just us and the dog. There wasn't a Libby to help train. It's like, Sierra's afraid of everything. She's afraid of my garage. It's like, I try to get it to go into the garage where I'm used to feeding my dog. It's like, what's this room? This is crazy. There's cars. And it's like, you're having me get that close to a car. They make noise. It's like, what is wrong with you? I'm pretty sure the only experience this dog has ever had in cars has been bad ones. I'm pretty sure. Because cars are really freaking her out. But then I don't really get the trash can thing. I take her outside. It's like, what is that? I've never seen a trash can. (laughs) You've never seen a trash can. It's really freaked out by a trash can. It really helps to bring my Libby and say, Libby, let's go, let's go. And then Sierra goes, oh, it's okay. I'll follow. All right. And get trained by a trained dog. Learning some discipline. Sierra is 54 pounds of loosely trained love. (laughs) Loosely trained. Actually, it seems like she was very well trained. I'm pretty sure that for the first seven months of her life, she only had a yard with grass. When I open the door, she goes to our one little grass patch. And she makes a beeline there, but she doesn't know. That's our holy place. That's where we play with our grandkids. That's why we have the grass, not for you to do your business. And she's trying to learn new disciplines when she's been trained by an old master. And this is really hard stuff to train this dog. Now, let's just talk about discipline and regret for a little bit. Most people don't like discipline because discipline is hard. Isn't that true? Discipline is hard. How many of you really like discipline? You like to study. You like to work out. You like to run until it hurts. You like to lift until there's pain. It's like, not a lot of people like that, right? You choose discipline over regret. And some people say, I don't regret it. No pain, no pain. You say no pain, no gain. I like no pain, no pain. It's like, Where's the regret in that? Well, you don't even know there's regret in that because later on there is pain when the doctor starts saying, hmm, uh, your cholesterol's way off, you need to drop 45 pounds, and da-da-da-da, you know, then there's pain, there's regret, and it's time to change some things. So you're choosing one hard thing, one pain to have no greater pain, greater regret, and that's the thing. Now, my little Sierra, she little 54 pounds my 54 pounds Sierra she doesn't know the life of regret that I see common if there's no discipline right and a lot of us we don't see the regret we don't see what's coming and she doesn't realize what's coming and she's trying to figure out this new discipline routine and learning about it but I know where we're going which is great and it's great to have Libby because Libby's an example. I say, Libby, place. Libby goes, how many of you were here, by the way? It's about seven years ago at our old church location where I brought Libby up on stage. Both services and just did a demonstration of obedience and it was so fun. So that's my goal, someday to bring Sierra. <laughs> I don't know if that'll really happen. But it, I, the, the goal is not just he'll come sit stay on leash. That's, that takes discipline, right? <laughs> and it's great, because then you can take a walk and then it'll go Barrr, and, Barrr, and everything else, you just, you know, on your side and everything's predictable. I wanna take it to he'll come, sit, stay, off-leash, wherever I go, where I can say, come, when the rabbit takes off and Libby is about to chase the rabbit and she stops, turns around, comes back. That's trained from the inside. Now that's where I want to go with this, discipline over regret. You know why that's trained from the inside? Because now it's not just short leash, I have to. It's I want to. And that's what I want to talk about. Discipline that gets to the place where you don't see discipline as a bad thing. You see discipline as I want to. I love it. This has helped me do this, and I actually look forward to it. That's the kind of thing we want to talk about. So, point number one. Discipline chooses what you want most over what you want now. Discipline chooses what you want most over what you want now. I'm going to digress. Not every dog is as easy to train as other dogs. When my daughter was 14, she wanted a beagle. We made a deal, and we got her a beagle. I remember my beagle that I wanted so bad when I was a kid. It lasted 16 days at her house. My parents couldn't do it. This beagle that she got lasted her whole life, but I was so glad when she had a home and my daughter could take her away. (laughs) Some dogs are just not as easy to train to the degree that they're going to listen to you off-leash. She got there somewhat, But really, beagles aren't dogs. They're noses with dogs attached. But anyway, um, (laughs) discipline chooses what you want most over what you want now. The beagle doesn't always want most to please the master. And that's part of the difficulty. The beagle's a nose that wants to please the nose. Can you relate? I'm a belly that wants to please my belly. I'm a body that wants to please my body. I'm a me that wants to please me. I choose what I want now. And it's hard to choose what I want most, which is harder than what I want right now. And so the consistency part of it is the trick. Now, this point, if that was all I said today, really would fail you and fail you badly. Discipline chooses what you want most over what you want now, because all that is is a principle, and it highlights the fact that it makes you think that we can do this, we can do this. Guess what? We can't. Not consistently. You already have learned this, I think. You've learned that what you want most, you fail sometimes to be able to do consistently. And that what you want now, even though you know it's going to bring some regret, and if you keep doing it, it's going to be bad, you still do, right? And so I'm really, really encouraged by the fact that the most disciplined person that I've ever studied, now I say studied because it's a person of history, apart from Jesus... The most disciplined person I've ever studied had the same trouble. And he gives us some clues as to why that is, and we're going to jump into that. The person I'm describing is Paul, also known as Saul. Some people um, think that he was first called Saul, then he changed his name when he became a Christian and named Paul. But that's not really the case. And just in case you're unfamiliar with the guy... 13 of the letters that are in the New Testament were written by this guy, Paul. The reason why he signs off Paul is almost every one of these letters are written to, well, all of them are written to churches that are mostly Gentile in orientation. Paul was a Jew, but he was a Roman citizen. He was an odd duck. Did I just say that? And it wasn't usual to be Jewish with the Roman citizenship. That was really unusual, and he was able to go in both circles really well. In a a Gentile circle in the Roman world, he went by his Roman name, Paul, and so he signed off Paul, but in his Jewish world, he was often referred to as Saul, which is a Jewish name. Now, there's actually this huge difference between when he was mostly known as Saul versus when he was known as Paul, because there's this dividing line that took place in, in his life also. So if you're not familiar with this, Paul was the strongest opponent of the Christian movement, the strongest opponent of the followers of Jesus, this movement that came into being in Judaism, the strongest opponent there was. He stood by, when he was a really young man, Carrying the robes of people who took off their big heavy robes so that they could throw rocks at Stephen, who preached the word describing Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament, which was Paul's scriptures. That was his Bible. Paul was a Pharisee. If you don't know what a Pharisee is, it was a leadership sect, a group that you can't read about in the Old Testament because they came into being between the Testaments And they came to bring the people back under conservative followership of God without idols. And they were really, really strong and firm. And they were very devout. Paul was very devout. As a Pharisee, he memorized the entire Old Testament. Not as in he could say the books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. No. He memorized the contents of all the books. That's incredible discipline. Have you ever met anybody that disciplined? I haven't, to memorize that much. And then what took place was after he stood by and approved of Stephen being stoned, he got on the bandwagon. He says, we got to stomp this thing out. It's very dangerous to Judaism and we need to stomp it out. So he Starts arresting believers, interrogating them, causing them to denounce their faith and try to just undermine it. He's on his way to a city to do that, and he's stopped in his tracks by Jesus himself, but not the meek and mild Jesus who shows up like a, a human being. This is the glorified Son of God who came as the Son of Man. Now he's been resurrected, glorified in heaven. He shows up with blam, light that knocks him off the horse and... Everybody around hears the voice but cannot see him, and the brilliant light causes, I believe, his retina to burn because later scales fall off as he receives a miracle of recovery of his blindness, and he has to reorient because here's what Jesus says to him. Obviously, it's a glorified being. Obviously, it's an out-of-the-world experience, and Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I'm not persecuting you. I'm just persecuting these Christians. That's kind of cool because Christians and Jesus are united. You mess with Christians, you mess with Jesus. You mess with Jesus, you're messing with Christians. Okay, there's a union here by the Spirit. Saul had to reorient reorient his Old Testament heritage and didn't know what to do with it. So Jesus is Lord he had to rethink, restudy, relook, and God sent the right people in his path to help him key, get key grasp of key scriptures, and then he begins to be the best explainer of how Jesus really is the Messiah, and when he writes his letters, it's amazing to me. The more I read, the more I relays, he's practically every time quoting and quoting and quoting scripture from the Old Testament, scripture from the Old Testament, explaining how this all works. Now we're in the new. Okay? That's why it's just remarkable to me when we hear somebody that disciplined, that hard-working to please God, say something like this about what his religiosity was like previous, and he didn't know it until he met Jesus. Romans chapter 7 reads this way. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Hoo-hoo, I'm so glad he said that. I've had that experience. Have you? Instead, I do what I hate. Man, I hate it when I do what I hate. But I was in such patterns in my life where I'd trained myself, and the master that was mastering me was me. I was my own master, and I trained myself with all these bad habits. And when I knew there was a huge regret in my life, and I was trying to fix them, I couldn't fix them. Instead, I do what I hate, I want to do what is right, but I can't, not consistently. Now, this is huge when we start talking about discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. If all you have is that principle, Paul is saying, it'll never work. You can't, not consistently. Whoops, try to say that. Consistency. Instead, I do what I hate, I want to do what is right, but I can't. Oops. Uh, Okay. Thank you. But I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do... Now I'm ready. What is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I sometimes have felt that. Anybody who has understood their own addictive behavior has come to terms with that once they want to find some answers. The good news is Paul gives answers. He doesn't just leave us there in the hole, in the cage, in the pit, with the short leash. He says, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me make three observations. On the screen, three observations. Number one, We tend to choose the easy route, and yet the easy route won't stay easy. Say that with me. We tend to choose the easy route, and yet the easy route won't stay easy. Jesus said this too. He said, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many are on this road. Jesus said, but narrow is the road that leads to life, and very few choose it because it's hard. It goes in the opposite direction of our culture. It's countercultural. It's tough to follow Jesus. Very few people will go the route of the disciplines that Jesus showed us what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. We tend to choose the easy route, and yet the easy route won't stay easy. By the way, if it stays easy and you stay on the easy route, we have an enemy that doesn't bother with you much. Why should he? He's already got you on the easy route, it leads to destruction. But the narrow route that's hard, it's bumpy too because he wants to bump you off and go sidetrack and sideways and go in a different way instead of the narrow road. Point number two, or the observation number two, the reason we need a savior is that we cannot fix our own sin nature. That's huge, folks. I want us to say it together. Ready? The reason we need a savior is that we cannot fix our own sin nature. I don't know if you believe that or not, but I want you to believe it because it's so powerful. The reason we can't do consistently what we want to do is the best thing we want to do. The thing we want most, the reason we can't do it consistently is there's a sin nature. And the reason the very thing we don't want to do, we do, is there's a sin nature. And you can't choose your way out of the sin nature except when you choose a savior. Another way to put it is we talk about helping people take steps from wherever they are to where God wants them to be, if this where God wants you to be is this healthier place, this good place where your sin nature is being dealt with and you're starting to experience a freedom, only through a Savior can you get there. Now, I'm going to go to a parable. Okay, so this is metaphor. Back to dog training. It would be great if the Savior master we get so familiar with his voice and so familiar with his training so want to please him like many dogs do that you could take the leash off now you're off leash but what has changed because of the savior's relationship with you is your heart it's not just discipline it's your heart you want to please and you want to please and you've so trained in it that's just automatic come you come automatic, and it's freeing. This master wants to take you everywhere. It's like, I wish you could go to work with me. I want you with me all the time because life is good. And you get to experience so many other things that are so better than kennels and short leashes and confined life because you're undisciplined. The disciplined life is freeing. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like. Point number... Observation number three, Jesus releases us from the trap of always choosing what we want now instead of what we want most. It's him that releases us. So the next time you're working on a habit pattern that you're struggling with, make sure you include Jesus. Make sure you ask Jesus for help. As you ask Jesus for help, it makes all the difference. And your training works so much better when he's helping you from the inside, not just the outside. And he'll do both. So here's a reflect. Is what you want most also what God wants for you? Are you trusting Jesus to help you? So what is it you want most? Where is the discipline needed in your life? So I want to talk about what that looks like and give you some, maybe some springboard thoughts to get you Thinking about your own life and where you want to go into better places than you are right now. Point number two, discipline chooses training where trying doesn't work. Discipline chooses training where trying doesn't work. There's a huge difference between training and trying, okay? Let's put it simply. Um, all right? Let's say that we're all going to try to run a marathon tomorrow. Okay, we can all try. I mean, you all walked in here, so you can walk. You can try to run a marathon. And we might all, if we really, really want to badly enough, we might finish a marathon. It might be walk, uh, run, three steps, sit, drink your coffee, take a nap, walk some more, spend the night. Three weeks later, we did a marathon, right, that you're trying to do a marathon. That's not really running a marathon. Training is what's required to actually run a marathon start to finish. We get that. If I say, okay, everybody, we're going to play the piano. Let's try to play the piano. Well, I'll go there one by one. We go, stop, stop. Every one of us compound on the keys. We can try to play the piano. It just makes noise, and it makes life chaotic. Only people who have trained do we enjoy them playing the piano. So training is huge, okay? So Paul gets into this, and we need to kind of sort this out, the, training element as it relates to our walk with Jesus. In 1 Corinthians, he writes this. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. How many love to watch sports? Doesn't it seem like some of them are just, they're like artists creating how to look amazing in the air and catch a ball with one hand. It's like, that just looks so cool. We're so glad that we can watch it in slow motion. Wow. Snapshot. I want that picture. It's like, They're creating, and it's like no two events are exactly the same, but they're so trained they can do it again and again and again. Training, training, training. We get that. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Now, I want to make sure we understand this, what this doesn't mean and what this means. You can't Earn your way into heaven. We know this from Scripture. We know this from Jesus. We know this through and through in the New Testament. You can't earn your way into heaven. So, our training is not to get into heaven, our training is to allow heaven to get into us. Okay? So, in other words, we adopted Sierra. She's already part of our household. She actually, although she messes on the holy place, we let her into the holy of holies. She gets in the house where it's climate-controlled. She gets to enjoy that, too. If she messes up, we got more training, right? So that training isn't to get to heaven. That training is to get heaven into us, allow more grace to fill us, to transform us, so that we can enjoy life more and more and more, so that I'm not like the beagle, (laughs) and I'm more like Libby. In God's eyes. And I can be taken more places and do more things in the kingdom. Okay? Let's move on to verse 26. Same section, same line of thought. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body. What does our body have to do with it? It has a lot to do with it. Our body is self. And self-discipline is part of the discipline to get at being able to choose well and want to choose well and do things well. Like an athlete, training it to do what it should. So, training practices. I mean, what are some training practices? Let's just get real practical here. But before we do, here's a reflect. Disciples are disciplined. Do you see that those two words are related? Disciples are disciplined. It's the same root word. Disciples of Jesus practice the disciplines of Jesus. It's like saying, followers follow. You could say you're a follower of Jesus, but if you're not following Jesus, you're just saying it. You're not a follower, you're just a fan. I like Jesus, but I'm doing my own thing. And a lot of people are doing that, claiming to be followers, but they're, their own masters doing their own thing, when Jesus says, come, they say, no, I'm going over here. Jesus says, don't do that. Say, well, I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to ask for forgiveness later. Right? No. Jesus is calling us to be followers and calling us into disciplines. What does that mean? It means the way of life that's like Jesus's life. The disciples, that word means a follower learner, they were observed Jesus's life and they watched him have a prayer practice. We're gonna talk more about that next week. They watched him with some habits and patterns. They said things like, Jesus, teach us to pray like you pray because they saw results. It was part of the training practice. And then they learned it and they saw the same results. I want to learn that kind of freedom. In the kingdom, where the kingdom of heaven gets into me, flows through me, and I'm living more like Jesus. In Philippians 2, 12 through 13, Paul says this strange thing. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do you see that there's our part and there's his part? Both parts work together. In the NIV, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But you might get the wrong idea there. You might think that you're supposed to earn your own salvation by working hard at it, and that isn't it. It's work out what you've already received. You've been brought into the home, and now you're going to live like part of the family through discipline. And so these disciplines are our part, our hard work, and what happens is then God changes our heart the NIV says he gives you the will and the ability to do his will so he changes your heart so you want to do what he wants you to do and he gives you the ability to do what he wants you to do and all of that is training it's not earning your way to heaven it's just gaining new abilities through training and then we can go to places we can go places with Jesus and Jesus is right there with us doing amazing stuff let me just talk about three things real quick Uh, We have six core statements, we talk about them a lot, we're gonna try to get them out more consistently so you can see them more often, but here are three of them, don't do life alone, do first things first, and save people, serve people. They talk about some disciplines in our life, they're handles for us, don't do life alone. Today, there's group link, why? Because we don't want you to do life alone. Everybody in your training, you need a Libby above you and you need a Sierra below you in a sense. You need to show somebody that's brand new what you're learning that encourages them. They don't even know how to look up a verse. Maybe you don't know how to look up a verse. And you feel uncomfortable going to a group. I don't want to display my ignorance. Get over it. Train. Okay? I'm really not good socially. Get over it. I'm not either. And it's just part of the process where you're learning from somebody else when, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. That works for you. I'm going to try that. And we rub off on each other Disciples shape and make disciples. So be a part of a group. Don't do life alone. Do first things first. I've made it a practice for, I don't know, 36 years to get up early and to have a time and place appointment with God. We're going to talk some more about that next week. But all of that training pays off. And even still... I get goofed up, but the training plays in. So I get off track. A couple weeks ago, I was off track. Didn't know I was, how, how, how off I was, because I was processing some difficult decisions to make, and I was trying to fix them, and the more I was fixing them, my jaw became fixed. And I, was get, I had this clenched look that I don't recognize, because it's on me, I'm not looking in a mirror, and my lips get thin, my wife knows what's happening. He says, uh... Where'd, where'd Jim go? You're very gently. The, the, where's the loving, peaceful? Well, I'm right. This needs to be fixed. And I said, there's enough training where I've been recognizing this. Uh, I haven't prayed. Let me go do my prayer time. Do my prayer time. And in prayer time, there's a, there's a section in, that I'm working through that is really important to me, that I live with the Spirit filling me. And his fruit flowing through me. That's the produce that I can't produce. It's from him. It includes love. It's from him. I can't produce it on my own. It includes joy and peace. And while I was right and trying to fix this thing, there wasn't love showing through. There wasn't joy showing through. There wasn't peace showing through. It includes forbearance, a patience with somebody else who I think is wrong. And I know I'm right. And that wasn't showing through. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control—none of those things were showing through. I didn't recognize it till I went into the prayer time and I'm working through the fruit of the Spirit, asking the Spirit to fill me and bring me the fruit. And it was like, oh my, I'm like 180 opposite on every single one of these right now. No wonder my jaw's clenched. No wonder I'm getting tense. The more I'm processing, the worse I am. It's all the flesh. It's not the Spirit. The good news is, in that training, I didn't have to do anything except cry out to God. God, you're opposed to the proud. I'm so sorry. It's my pride coming through. Forgive me. I confess that to you. I need you. Fill me with your spirit. Allow your light to penetrate my being. There's a lot of darkness there. Fill me. Give me the fruit of your spirit again. And it was like, whoosh, peace returned. Love returned. Joy returned. By this time, my wife had already gone off to work. I could text her. I'm all better now. She said, good. <laughs> it just took getting back to that place where I can't fix my sin nature, but Jesus can. And I can walk with him. And there's freedom, joy, love, peace there. Here's the reflect. You need training to receive and experience what you want most. Maybe you don't even know what you want most. I'm just telling you, you need training to receive and experience what you want most. I'm at the place now where getting up early is not a burden. Getting up early is something I know I want, I know I need, I know it's joy and he's going to set things right for the rest of the day. I want that for you. Here's a prayer. Let me just read it for you. Lord Jesus, we need your saving work inside of us. You promised to give us what we need inside as we train in the disciplines you showed us. Thank you for giving us new desires and the power to do what pleases you as we train with you. Amen. Would you stand with me? If you'd like to have your life revolutionized, pray this prayer, ask Jesus to help, and then allow him to speak to you. What is it that I need to do, God? What step do I need to take? The worst thing you could do is not take a step after today. Are you ready to pray this? Lord Jesus, we need your saving work inside of us. You promised to give us what we need inside as we train in the disciplines you showed us. Thank you for giving us new desires and the power to do what pleases you as we train with you. Amen. 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 If you need prayer today, please don't go away and miss out on somebody else kind of carrying a load with you. They'd be prayer team on the right of the stage. We'd be happy to pray with you. I can't wait till next week as we're going to continue with our conclusion. Uh, I choose the important over the urgent. I choose the important over the urgent. See you next week.